We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Happy Hockey Day, everybody. It's the Forever Mighty post-game show. We're back. It's uh, Pat and Eddie on the mics tonight. Uh, unfortunately, Jason couldn't make the show. So, hey, man, it's hockey time. It's Ducks time. Dude, I feel like we haven't done this in a really long time, even though uh, we were busy all summer. It, it feels like forever since we <laughs> well, I mean, we we've been to be fair, we've been we've been doing shows, but this this is different. This is different. This this whole setup, the post game show setup, feels like it's been a while because we had no postseason. We had no we, playoffs. We so what, like April till October. So that is quite a long time, man. I mean, that's about six months, a little less than six months, right? Uh, it's good to be back, though. I can't complain. <laughs> it, 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 you know, it, it, it can't be as bad as last year, right? It, it feels feels well, different. So last year started off with a win. This year started off with a win. I mean, we're on the same pace. We could we could have either yeah. kind of season right now. You could easily have either <laughs> kind of season right now. Last year started with a win. This year started with a It's the same thing. Same exact same thing. Yeah, same it's old times. Nah, I got to take my glasses off. I thought I was going to need them. I don't. Um, great to be back, man. It's nice to celebrate a Ducks victory here in game one. They started, you know, at the, at uh, Honda Center tonight. Uh, the Dallas Aikens era fires up today, man. Um, we know preseason, whatever, Ducks go 4-1-1, one, one, but tonight was the big, big night. Um, all this stuff in Anaheim, everyone's looking forward to the beginning of what could be. Uh, I don't know if you saw the commercials, but they're talking about, like, retool or rebuild, retool or rebuild. <laughs> I don't know if you saw those on Fox Sports, but like that was the heavy I theme. Saw them. 
heavy theme, and they're very much pitching that this is a retool uh, under a new coach and uh, a younger squad, much younger squad than the Ducks have ever had. Um, I mean, got to buy into the hype, right? Yeah, like I was going to say, I, I, I don't. Uh... I'm not too mad at the they, they got to do that right. No, they have no to. way. Yeah, no. I think I heard probably ten times that this is the youngest Ducks team in franchise history. But you gotta you gotta sell it right. You gotta you gotta make it. Uh, it might not be a great year. I think we we all agreed it it could be a pretty good year for the Ducks. Uh, best case, obviously, yeah. is squeaking into the playoffs. But there's always that chance that things don't go well. So if you're the Ducks, it's it's early on, first game of the season. You gotta try and sell it. You gotta try and get people out. I'm sure you know. For most people we've seen, they're already excited. Just the whole change with the new coach and a lot of young players coming in. But I, I don't uh, discredit them for trying to sell it. No, I was pumped, man. I was very pumped going into this game. Uh, I haven't had a beer in uh, during the week in quite some time, but I made sure I had uh, several tonight watching this game. All pumped as if I was at Honda Center. Only my beers were very, very uh, less expensive than the ones that everyone at Honda <laughs> Center was paying for, for sure. Um, but let's get started, man. Let's get into uh, the pregame stuff here. John Gibson makes a start in net, um, and some guys we thought were injured actually are in the lineup. And there was a lot of injury concern after that last preseason game with Andre Kasha, with Sam Steele, with Brendan Gooley, even John Gibson. All these guys were question marks heading into uh, into yesterday, into warm-ups today, but all's well. Everyone's good to go, and uh, the Ducks had a pretty solid starting roster for mostly what we expected. Yeah, I, I honestly expected the tough roster decisions to come a little bit later, right? We knew uh, Lindstrom and uh, Comtois and, and Jones and Steele and all of them were going to be here on opening night because the opening night roster was put out day before the season started. But uh, there was no really word on if Steele or Kasha were going to play. They were kind of just questionable for tonight's game. And then we find out pretty much just before puck drop that uh, Isaac Lindstrom and Maxime Comtois were sent down. So we didn't get the the trio of Swedes line. And we didn't get to see Maxime Comtois, which I think a lot of people were a bit disappointed with. Uh, We we already got Ricky in our chat saying that he's mad that they sent Comtois down. And and I think a a few people are, but you look at maybe his performance in – preseason and compared to let's say max jones or troy terry or sam Steele, and not to say that maxim comtois had a bad preseason uh, but i think he would have had to wow some people to get on the roster and i believe he only had two assists in preseason it wasn't a great preseason from him uh, and you look at uh, what jones and terry and Steele are able to do especially throughout they they just looked a little bit more fresh and mm-hmm. that probably comes from the fact that they played more in the NHL than Maxime Comtois did last year. So if anything, I think he was the guy we all kind of expected, right? Like he needs a little bit more seasoning. And, and I guess the same goes for Isaac Lindstrom when you've got Sam Steele healthy and you've got Ryan Getzlaff and Adam Henrique. Why play him on the fourth line? And no, uh, no Nick Delorier tonight. Kind of a shocker, That's right? the big bummer, right? <laughs> Very much <laughs> looking forward to, uh, to him playing in an Anaheim Duck sweater for sure. But uh, we didn't see him tonight. Uh, yeah, you got uh, you got Ma- you got Max Jones, uh, not Maxine Comtois. Sorry there, but um, I mean it's going to be a rotating it's going to be a rotating thing between those guys. I feel like you're going to see a lot of a lot of guys go down, a lot of guys go up throughout the season. Uh, this being a young team, and let's just start to make an impact, right? I mean that's that's what you're really going to see. Maybe yeah. the roster get more solidified, but when they're really going. I-, I wouldn't be surprised to see Comtois get called up. Um, so I don't think we're going to wait too long to see him. Um, How did you feel about Silverberg and Manson wearing the alternates? I was yeah, I, I was a little surprised by that. 
Yeah, the Eric Stevens put out an article, I believe it was yesterday or today. He was promoting it a lot today where he had a Q&A with Dallas Aikens. He asked him that exact question because Silverberg and Manson had been wearing them during preseason. And Dallas Aikens said that he had about seven different guys he believed on this team could wear the alternate captains and they were still trying to make a decision. Uh, I would assume that Obviously, we know we know the answer now, but Silverberg and Manson obviously were the favorites, considering they wore them during preseason, and that seems to be the direction they were going. I, I don't hate it, you know. I'm, I think a lot of people are, are surprised that maybe Cam Fowler yeah, didn't get one. That was my pick. Um, Josh Manson, I, I think. Uh, I don't want to say it's an obvious one, but I think if you had to pick somebody on this team, I think he is near the top of that list. Silverberg's a bit surprising. Uh, but I think if you want to go one forward, one defenseman, I'm not no, I'm not sure if that's the way they went. Obviously, you don't have to because Ryan Getzlaff is also the captain of this team. Uh, but if that's the way they wanted to go, I think <clears throat> if you had to pick another forward on this team other than Ryan Getzlaff, I think Jakob Silverberg is a pretty safe choice. I mean, yeah, I was thinking, and this when I, I don't want to get into like a deep dive on on leadership. Everyone who's listened to this show for any amount of time. Knows how I feel about uh, you know what that what, what grit and leadership does on a team. Certainly, there's respect <laughs> that goes along with it. I just think it needs to be dived into all that much. Is all I'm saying. But uh, I think the other guy that I I would have thought it would have been. I thought it was I thought honestly it was going to be Cami and uh, be Henrique and then Getz, of course. But uh, yeah, Henrique's no. interesting. Yeah, good to, uh, see, good to see him go with the younger guys though, right? Good to yeah. see him go with the younger core. And I think that's kind of the whole notion here is to move forward on. From we're kind of. And that retool mode, moving on from one core to the next, right? I mean, the Ducks uh, are definitely taking that shift right now. Yeah, and, and I think – I don't think these are set in stone either. I think these – again, Dallas Higgins believes, obviously, that he has seven guys who he thinks are leaders in this team. I'm sure Fowler's part of that. I'm sure maybe Adam Henrique is part of that. You could you could argue Ricardo Kell is in there as well. Uh, Hampus Lindholm, right? So I think those are all – all guys that you would assume are part of that seven. And just because Silverberg and Manson are wearing the A's, it doesn't mean that those guys aren't still leaders in the dressing room because I'm sure they are. Uh, the decision, uh, when it comes down to it at the end of the day, to have an A on your jersey, it doesn't mean that Silverberg and Manson are better leaders or are going to have to do more work than Cam Fowler or Hampus Lindholm or any other guys we just mentioned. Uh, I think it's just a decision they ended up having to make. You know, you, In the end of the day, you don't want to have – the A's rotating between seven guys. You'd want to have two guys who have the, the entirety of the season that are going to wear it. Yep. Yeah, I know. You just got to keep the leadership visible, right? You want to make sure that you have the same guys in the room that are trusted with it. So I think it's good choices. Uh, let's let's hop into the, to, to, uh, tonight's game, man. Uh, we got to get started here. We haven't done this, like we said, in quite some time. So if we're a little rusty, I mean, blame Eddie. He's Canadian. But uh, <laughs> first period gets off, uh, you know, I thought it was a solid period. Um, mostly some slip-ups here by the Ducks, but Manson started Rusty, off with right? a nice crushing hit on Clayton Keller, which was nice to see, man. Good to see him get that physicality started, but you have Rusty, yeah, very much so you could say in this period, which is kind of like the opposite. The Ducks the Ducks usually come out on an okay first period or a strong one, but always have a really downer second period, and it was kind of flip-flop tonight. That's a new coach, new coach, new times, but... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, it's nice to see Josh Manson lay in the body. It's so simple, right? It's something we've kind of taken for granted because we saw it pretty much every season but last where Josh Manson was engaged physically. And I get it. It's one game. It's one play so far in the game. But it, it was a nice tone setter for the first period because it was right in the first couple minutes of the game. And it uh, it showed the change, I guess, right? Like if you wanted to see a change, there was a lot more transition plays, a lot cleaner exits from the zone so that you could see the transition away from what we saw under Randy Carlisle. But just uh, 
you know, the confidence for, for Josh Manson to make that type of play is something we didn't really see last year. He was kind of shy a bit on the physical play, which is something you don't expect from a guy like Josh Manson based on his history before last year. So if that's a sign of things to come, I hope so, because the Ducks could really use an engage, a uh, physically engaged Josh Manson for the rest of the year. No, absolutely. They, you got to have that physical presence at some point on your team. You can't just have a bunch of guys that are afraid of the body like that. And I mean, Josh Manson's definitely not that guy. Uh, not not a lot of chances really in the early going. Um, I, I felt that, uh, like you said, rusty, slow start. But um, <laughs> it's it's third pairing defenseman time for sure. But but uh, Corbinian Holzer, I don't know if you caught that man, but caught behind the net with an awful backhand right up the middle. Uh, thankfully, the Coyotes couldn't convert on that. Ducks escape a bullet there for sure. That's like the the no no that's been yelled at at my daughter since she started playing um, <laughs> playing hockey. It's it's just been that that's a tough call for uh, for Holzer to make that move for sure. <laughs> you know, I'm actually surprised he got in tonight. I thought uh, Michael Delzato was going to get in with mm-hmm. Jacob Larson. Mm-hmm. Uh, it obvious. It seems like they wanted to go with the righty so they can have a couple righties in the lineup instead of playing with five lefties. They already had Fowler playing with Gooley on his on his off wing. Then you got to throw if you throw Delzato in there, you've got you know your bottom two pairings are all lefties. So I think matchup wise, they wanted to go uh, with Holzer in there for the righty. I, I don't think you're you're losing too much by having Holzer over Delzato. There's not no. really a huge difference there, uh, and and that's gonna happen. We've seen this from from and Holzer in the past. He's a seventh defenseman, right? So he's gonna be if he's out there for any considerable amount of time, he's gonna make some mistakes. Luckily for the Ducks, it uh, it didn't lead to a goal in this situation, but uh, I, that that's gonna be a problem. I feel like for this year and it's going to be a problem that, that, that that's going to be a little bit glaring throughout the rest of the year when you look at that bottom pairing and, and uh, how Jakob Larson is kind of going to get anchored a bit by by Del Zotto and Holzer hopefully Del Zotto can maybe string together a decent season to become a reliable six but uh, that's going to be tough for the Ducks because you know it's kind of reminiscent a bit of when Kevin Bieksa and Francois Beauchemin were guys that were always in as that six spot yep. not to say Del Zotto and Holzer are the same or worse or better than them, but uh, it kind of has that feeling to it. And the Ducks, I don't know if they're going to address that at, at the trade deadline. We're a while away from the trade deadline at this point. Uh, Josh Maher is still in the system, so maybe eventually that gets rectified from within rather than going out for a trade. Uh, but some worrying signs, I guess you could say, for that bottom pairing. I mean, I would say worrying, worrying signs, um, if you want to even call anything that in the first game of the season under a new regime i mean just overall defensively the ducks didn't look too strong uh you know it's easy to point out the mistakes of corbin and holzer here as as you and i just did but i mean the offense was pretty anemic in the first period too i mean yes the ducks get on the board which we'll talk about in a second but they almost went i I think it was seven minutes with uh with no shots on goal and then two softies uh before they were able to bounce back and get and get the goal there yeah it, it was uh like it's a it's a back and forth start and you you get two teams basically i think these are probably the two worst teams offensively last year uh looking a bit rusty Mm -hmm. uh the the coyotes went out and and added i think they said in the broadcast over 50 goals 30 
plus of those were were Phil Kessel, and they added a couple from a few more additions that they had. Uh, but I think it's two teams trying to figure out who they are early on. In, in the Coyotes' case, it's it's trying to fit Phil Kessel in and figuring out where, you know where the majority of their offense is going to come, which obviously looks like it's going to be uh, Stepan Keller and Kessel. And, and for the Ducks, it's just building some chemistry, you know, a, a lot of new lines, a lot of new look lines, and a, and a completely new system. That it, it, you know the good thing is it's a it's visually obvious that there's a new system in place, yeah. which is nice because we came into last year saying, oh, you know, hearing that the Ducks are going to be faster, they're going to play faster, and there was no evidence whatsoever. It was just kind of fluff, and then the Ducks played exactly the same as the, the season prior to that, almost worse, because they were trying to make something work. So I, I think that there's obvious growing pains a bit from, from having Dallas Aikens come in and having some younger players trying to find chemistry, but it's nice to see that the change is evident. Like we can see it this time. It, it's not fake. It's like, it's like trying to move. You can see in the breakout, trying to get the breakout going, trying to get the, trying to get the, uh, the legs moving. Uh, and that transition game, they got stuck a couple of times on li- on line changes. They got stuck a couple of times in their own end, but uh, let's get to the positivity here, man. It, it was a goal here and it was a very nice play set up all by Derek Grant. Uh, Ducks get stuck in their own end for some time, forcing Gibby to make a couple of big saves uh, you know, we like we didn't say that enough the past couple of seasons. Uh, Grant makes a great lead pass up to Shore. Shore breaks in on Kemper. Kemper makes the save, sprawling out on the ice. Rebounds is sitting all nice and pretty for Derek Grant, who has a nose for the net. Jumps right in on that puck at the top of the crease and buries it. He, the number one center, Derek Grant, uh, is the first goal for the Ducks this season, man. It was nice to see that guy get on the board. And Honestly, he had a hell of a game tonight. I think he played a really, really yeah. strong game I think, overall. I think he was one of the Ducks' best forwards, and, and just he was engaged every time he was on the ice. Devin Shore and Rowney weren't too far behind him either. They, they all had a yeah. solid game, for sure. Yeah, Devin, Devin Shore had a really good game too, and especially in that period, he was all over the place. He had a couple more chances uh, alone in that period where he looked like he could put another one to the back of the net. But uh, I thought that original pass from Derek Grant, I thought that was Hampus Lindholm. How Dude, nice pass that was, wired. a breakup pass. Yeah, wired it right to Devin Shore, who... who you know, good, good credit to, to Shore himself for kind of making that move in behind the defender and being able to receive that pass. That was a hard pass from Derek Grant. Oh, yeah. uh, and he received it perfectly, came in and made a nice move. But you know, your boy, Darcy Kemper, uh, making some good saves. <laughs> uh, that's right. The, the, the tower of power in the, in the Phoenix net, six foot five. Darcy yeah, it, yeah, that guy's massive. And, and, you know, credit to him making the save. But Derek Grant, again, when you get when you're on the fourth line, especially on this team, when you've got so much depth, we already talked about come to on Lindstrom getting sent down, but you got Nick Delory out of the lineup. You, you've got still some other players in San Diego like Sherwood and Carrick, who could come up and, and take your job. Uh, it's important for a guy like Derek Grant to go out there and make an impact, and you know he does what he's supposed to do. He, he crashes the net after making a good pass. He doesn't admire it, uh, and he puts the Ducks up one nothing. So it's it's nice to see him doing well. He's a fan favorite, obviously. Yep. And uh, it's nice to see him get on the board and get a goal because the Ducks are going to need goals from all over the lineup. You know, we, we've we talked about uh, in the offseason how Ricard Raquel has to bounce back and how Silverberg could have a big year. But if the Ducks are going to make up uh, and move up from the amount of goals they scored last year, it's going to have to be a, a team effort from every line. 100%. You, know, you definitely need to have it from, from everyone up and down the lineup, especially under a new system. you got to get production from everywhere on nights. Where, like tonight, the big guns didn't really step up, right? I mean, it's, like we said, not a big deal. Just didn't happen for him tonight. And luckily they got some depth scoring. 
Um, and this is the turnovers I was talking about. Getsy with a fumble in the slot, turned it over. Luckily, the Yotes couldn't convert. And then uh, just another another note to end the period. Uh, Ducks turn it over. Gooley off the glass, off Jones, right to the slot to Derek Stepan. I think he rang it off the crossbar over Gibson. So a couple of close calls with the Ducks the first period. They got outshot 14-6, to but ended the period 1-0. Um, they didn't look really dangerous. Uh, turnovers and limited rushes up the ice. But hey, man, they got out on top of the board early in the first period or midway through the first period and uh, and held on to that lead. Big win, as they mentioned, shot attempts on the broadcast. Weird. I don't think, I, I don't think I've ever heard that happen before I legit where they brought a shot attempt. I was on my phone, and I don't know if anyone listening has ever gone to Natural Statric and tried to do it on your phone. It's not real awesome because it's graphs and you got to like scroll through it. So I like rewound it. I'm like, did they really just say that? What were the shot attempts? I like rewound it. I'm like, oh, attempted 32 to to, uh, to 20 in favor of the Coyotes. I'm like, since when do they start tracking? But the Ducks I, I had to go hired back. an analyst. They recently yeah, hired I'd, an analyst. I had to go back and check to make sure they were actually right and they weren't just, <laughs> just trying to make <laughs> just something up. a broadcast number. <laughs> it, you know what? You know, it's funny because they, they mention it and I'm happy they mention it, but they still made it sound awkward. Like they still made it sound like it wasn't like it wasn't right or it wasn't believable that they brought it up on the broadcast. I'm, I'm happy they did because it, it does help, you know, explain the game a little bit better because if you just looked at it and saw that the Ducks were outshot 14 to 7, uh, it looks like a nightmare period from then. Even though the shot attempts don't say it was much closer, I think it was a closer period than the shots kind of show. Um, uh, obviously, a, I don't know, man. It was pretty close. Like, I mean, yeah, I, so, I mean, it was it was close. It wasn't it wasn't like the Yotes dominated them. I, I think a lot of them had the majority of the chances. They did, yeah. But I think a lot of their shots, uh, especially a lot of their shot attempts, were from the perimeter. They did have a couple A plus shots, and even even Derek Stepan's uh, hit shot off the crossbar it doesn't count as a shot attempt. It doesn't count as a shot on net. But uh, they definitely had the the share of chances in this one. But I think it was a bit closer than maybe the shots suggest. Well, the Ducks get out of that with a one nothing lead going into the second period, and I mean they just get off to a much better start. Physical play starts off. Um, several chances for the Ducks to begin the second period. Troy Terry, most notably, with the great move, moving in through the offensive zone at the, at the you know the top of the zone, into the slot with a nice toe drag to change his shooting angle, and just misses the net on the release on the rush. Good to see him getting back into the play. Um, he kind of had a quiet night, but every once in a while you got a glimpse of Troy Terry. Did you see uh, Troy Terry and Max Jones with the top hats before, uh, before the game? <laughs> that was, uh, Ridiculous. That's a great choice. Uh, they, had the, they interviewed him and they asked him about the top hat. And he said, uh, uh, he said, or I think the, the new Ducks analyst was saying it's because he had a haircut. It was a bad haircut. But he, he said he went out shopping with Max and they just they couldn't pass up a hat like that. So I thought that was, uh, I thought that was pretty legendary. But yeah, Troy Terry had a, a bit of a quiet game. Uh, but, uh, man, if he had made that payoff, if he had a uh, toe-dragged around him and actually picked the bottom corner, he just missed, too. Like, you know, the broadcast just kind of underplayed that a bit. He just missed the, the bottom left corner of the net there, and it was a good, a good bit of patience from him. And I'm interested to see how that line kind of progresses uh, with Adam Henrique. Uh, maybe eventually I could see some swaps with uh, with Ryan Getzlaff in that line, depending on how things go. Uh, but if you go look at the numbers, like the best two lines in the night were the Getzlaff line and the Adam Henrique line, which Troy Terry was a part of. So I, I don't know. It's, it's one game, right? Like yeah. I don't want to try and overanalyze things right now. It's one game against a team who's a very good defensive team. Like let's not forget the Coyotes were fifth best defensive team in the league last year. So, you know, two goals uh, against a very good goaltender, a very good team defensively. 
uh, you're not going to have everybody have a great night. You're not going to have, you know, uh, a barn burner like uh, we saw with uh, the Rangers and the Winnipeg Jets tonight, no. a 6-4 six, six, finish. Uh, so it was a pretty solid game for Troy Terry. If he's not make, out there making mistakes, I think it's already better than the way he started last year. Especially for a young player, right? You, you got to just make sure you're not the guy on the hot seat getting burned up by your coaches. You want to make sure that you're that you're making yeah. the right play at the right time. If you're quiet on the score sheet, it's opening night. happens. Um, but let's talk about uh, the Coyotes' goal because we have to. Uh, pretty passing play by the Yotes on the rush. Lindholm gets drawn off his man. He was playing a, got a little deep on his coverage, uh, watching Keller a bit make his move just to the left of him. He gave Kessel just enough space to get it over to Stepan. Stepan was just a step ahead of Richie, who was reaching. Just, I mean, everything came together for the Yotes on this play. And, I mean, Stepan even, even like, fluttered the shot on the one-timer over a stretch Gibson, and now all of a sudden we're tied 1-1. Great play by the Coyotes in the rush, man. Not, not much you can do with that talent up front like that, making those passes. Yeah, this is going to be textbook, I think, for the Coyotes this year where you're going to see some great plays, and probably 90% of them are going to come from this line. And I can guarantee Derek Stepan is going to love playing with Phil Kessel and, and Clayton Keller because they're going to be able to find him the puck. He didn't really have to do much on this play, not to say he didn't contribute to it. He just but had to drive to Clay- the net and get open. Yeah, Clayton <laughs> Keller set up uh, Phil Kessel, and then Kessel set up a, a nice backhand pass over to Stepan where he just wired it over over Gibson. Not much Gibson can do on that play either because uh, it's a backdoor pass, but give some credit to to the coyotes because again like i said they struggled just as much if not worse than the ducks did last year scoring goals and this is kind of the line they need to get things done and and up until that point i think the ducks did a pretty good job uh, of shutting it down which is difficult to do when you look at uh, you know phil kessel and and clayton keller how great they are and how fast they are on the wings and and Derek Stepan, i don't think gets enough credit for for being just a consistent guy who can put up 50 points a season so that's a that's a tough line to be able to shut down and, and contain for that long. Yeah, no, it definitely is, man. And there's not much you could do in that play either. I, I'm sure our buddy Chris, uh, you know, long-time listener of the show, would love to give me a hard time about Hampus Lindholm not being able to stop that pass. He just loves to rip on me because I'm Lindholm, you know, Lindholm's my boy. But, uh, yeah, whatever, man. You get beat by great guys sometimes. Just the way it goes. Let me go ahead and shrug that one off. I'm sure I'll get a text from Chris later about it. Um, Steel off the post. Right, you can make the whole joke steal off the iron. You can you know, make some cheesy line like that. I'm surprised Allers didn't do that, but uh, he didn't. Oh, he's 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 probably thinking about it now. He's waiting for the next time it happens. You can't see that. That's one you can't use all the time, and you don't throw that out in the season open. You got to save that for it's, later on. It's save it. He's gonna put some weird little spin on it so that way it like sounds better than the way I said it. But he's for sure gonna say that. Great board work by Rowney and Shore on that play too to free the puck up there. Um, and then Henrik buries Clayton Keller on, on the sideboards. Keller, obviously, though, was no worse for the worse for where gets up, gets behind the defense, has a great rush chance in on John Gibson, but Larson got back to break it up. Lots of contact in the crease by, against Gibson tonight, huh? It's like the same thing we've seen uh, the past couple of seasons. Guys just like to drive in on the net and, and uh, give, we'll give you the poke, see if he's still uh, a little injury prone, as some like to call him. Oh, man, I don't, I don't want to. <laughs> not not this early. John Gibson goes down. He's not. He's made a stone this year. I already, I already had the, the the concerns in preseason when he got hurt, and it was just precautionary that he got left out, and everybody was was just worried that he was done for for I don't know how long to you know first whatever whatever time he's out for is going to hurt the Ducks. So hopefully he's fine. he's fine. He doesn't have to deal. With he was laughing much. tonight. He had no he had no he's problem. He's always laughing. Yeah, but uh, hopefully Josh Manson and Hampus Lindholm can 
can clear the crease a bit. But uh, you know, as for Clayton Keller, he got buried a few times this game. Oh, yeah. Like it's it's always tough for a guy of his size to to compete out there, especially when you've got guys like Josh Manson and Hamish Lindholm on the blue line. You've got some big guys up front. Adam Henrique's not necessarily a big guy, but he's known to throw the body on occasion. And yeah, Clayton Keller was having a tough game trying to find some space out there. So let's get to the fanciest play of the night, and that's for Cam Fowler. What an unbelievable move, the footwork, the edge work, uh, to get in on the play like that, get around Henestroza, and being able to roof that as you come in off the point on the pass from Rowney to put the Ducks up 2-1, far side. Unbelievable play by Cam Fowler, man. You go back to he's always been touted for his skating ability. That right there was, holy hell, that was some great work by Cam Fowler. That was like... That's like some of the best stuff I've seen from that guy. Yeah, for sure. it, it's the best stuff we've seen in a while from him. Because again, we're gonna we're gonna say this a lot this year, and how a lot of guys didn't have confidence last year, and it's gonna be a complete one eighty or three sixty from from you know the play for some guys this year, the confidence and the creativity from what we saw last year. Uh, but this just seems like a whole new Cam Fowler and the confidence that he has to even try and pull off that move. I feel like last year, you know, he doesn't try and do that because if he loses the puck in that play, he's getting ripped by Randy Carlisle on the bench, and Oof. feels like he he doesn't have you know the support to try and make a play like that and, and it kind of feels like this year you know players are going out there knowing that they could try things and Dallas Eakins has already said that he's given the players the freedom on offense to try things and, and I think you see that in that Cam Fowler goal because we know he has the skating Dude. we know he has this in his locker to be able to do this and that pivot that he puts on on Vinny Hinestroza is just unreal and then not I don't only that I mean he doesn't get himself in a great position after that pivot he's still at the, the I think he starts at the top of the the left point and kind of comes in through the circle then he cuts back into the outside and he uses two of his own players as a screen and just picks a perfect shot into the top right corner over the glove of Darcy Kemper like just the whole play in general and when you go far side when you're on your wing that's a tough shot on a giant goaltender you already talked about Darcy Kemper being six foot five um and to be able to go far side on him when you're on your own side that's an incredible shot, incredible play by Cam Fowler, man. That was just a beautiful move. It's so nice to see him being able to do that. Uh, he mentioned about you know playing with confidence, he's trying to play confidently. I hope so. I hope this is a real bounce back year for the whole team, especially guys like Cam Fowler who've been ripped on by us. I mean, we've all, everyone's had their fair share. He's getting share. ripped on in the chat still right now. You oh, just <laughs> really? Scoring that goal, ripped uh, on but, still. He was yeah. the, he was the best defenseman on the ice. Yeah, I think offensively, he he definitely was. was Yeah, they're going to need him. They're going. They're going to need him to to use his skating positively this year, and and uh, you know a lot of and and to be fair, we ripped on him a lot last year for for some of the defensive plays that he was making in his own zone, and that were leading to goals. And you know the one that always comes to mind to me, and I'm sure it does for you, is the the Winnipeg OT goal where he was completely lost. I think I can't remember. I think it was Kyle Connor or somebody out front, but he just turned away from the net. Yeah, skated away from the net, and and uh, the Jets scored and ended up winning that game. But yeah, I, I hope it's a turnaround for him. Even even if not so much defensively, at least offensively, if he just has a little bit more creativity, and and it feels like he, you know, it just feels a bit more comfortable playing Getting with Brendan Gould. Ripped Gooley on was... in the chat on opening night, unbelievable. Tough, and he man. scores the winning goal in the game, unbelievable. And it was beauty. Like again, like the pivot on that play Shame is what we were going to talk about. But the <laughs> fact that he was able to cut in back outside and wire that to the top right corner is just as impressive as making that move on Henestrosa. 
I yelled in my house. I was like, what? What just happened? I was like, totally, what? <laughs> he made the, that he made play out of nothing. No. Like the, that doesn't happen if Cam Fowler doesn't make that pivot. No. So they put the Ducks up 2-1 to one, uh, going into the third period. Much better second period by Anaheim, which we could not say all of last year and most of the season before. Um, going into the third period, were you surprised that Getzloff didn't play a lot? The broadcast made mention in the beginning of the third period he played a little bit over eight minutes. Was that a surprise uh, to you? I, 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 don't want, I don't want to say I'm surprised because the difference this year, and, and it was mentioned a, a, a bunch of times on the broadcast and, and by a lot of people on Twitter too, is it looks like uh, Dallas Akins is not playing to matchups this year. Right. And I think a lot of what we saw last year is Ryan Getzlaff was put out there against the, the other team's third line or fourth line, and the, especially in home games, he was racking up a ton of ice time uh, But even before the third period just because it was a matchup system that Randy Carlisle was implementing. Right now, Dallas Akins is just kind of ro- rolling four lines and not really looking for matchups. He's just throwing whatever line he wants out there, and obviously there's some strategy to it or more strategy to it that I'm giving credit for, uh, but he's not a matchup coach, and I think no. you're going to see that in, in the ice time for some of these players, and I think that's probably a good thing for Ryan Getzloff. You know, he doesn't need to be playing 18 to 20 minutes a night, especially when you've got the talent on these three lines kind of spread out, right? Like, I don't think you could pick a first line out of those three lines tonight when you've got, you know, Ricard Raquel and Silverberg on the wings of Sam Steele, but then you've got to center the quality of Getzloff with Kasha, but then you've got Richie on that line, and then you've got Adam Henrique playing with two young guys in, in, in Troy Terry and Max Jones. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's hard to pick out, you know, a one, two, three from that. It, it's almost like three equal lines. And I think that's what Dallas Akins is trying to go for. And I think you're going to see a little bit less ice time, maybe for guys like Ryan Getzloff, who were getting a ton of it last year. Well, let's talk about Getzloff again, because this is, we got our first allerism of the season. And it was, uh, he picked, <laughs> he picked off a pizza, whatever that means. I have never heard that before in my entire life. But that was a what reference was referring to? to Ryan Getzloff with a huge intercept in the slot on one of the few turnovers the Coyotes had in their own zone. The broadcast even mentioned that. I mean, they've been tracking turnovers and stats a lot tonight. I was very impressed. Uh, but Getzloff misses the shot on Kemper because he's a giant. Uh, I think he just grazed the outside of the post on that play. But Aller says he picked off a pizza. Um, I have That's no a new one. He's, clue what I think he's, he's been writing these down in the offseason. I think he he's has. got a whole list of them. I mean, yeah. I mean, what does he say? Like making you know, a he's got a Sam Steele one in there. You know, he's got a <laughs> Sam Steele one in there with the post. And I feel like he's just saving it. He he had probably picked off a pizza at the top of the list, and Sam Steele hit the post. What do you think, what do you think the Sam Steele one's going to be? Is he going to say like Steel is not as strong as iron? Is he going to like say something or tonight yeah, Steel is not like as that. strong as iron? He's going to come across yeah, and say something ridiculous. Something like that. It, I it's can't a metal wait, joke. It's a metal pun. 100% <laughs> it's a metal pun. You know it's coming. He's, he's uh, the or, best. or he's going to do like a Superman Man of Steel one or something like that. That's You know it's coming. It's it's definitely coming. Well, shout out to Joseph Roba, uh, who, or, who's been a follower of us too. He, he made sure he tagged us in that on, on Twitter. I had heard it and I was laughing in my living room. I'm like, i got to retweet that because that was a goodie. But picked off a pizza. It's a new one. I'm, I'm going to try to uh, bring that back, wherever that was from. I'll start saying that in day-to-day life and see if anyone understands what I'm saying. Um, that's from the mind of, of John Ollers, and that's it. I don't think that's, how, that's ever been said anywhere else, ever. Uh, uh, so it was funny. In, my, in our notes, I wrote down, there was no, how is there no penalties in this game? And then literally a minute and a half later, uh, Carl Soderberg gets a call for goaltender interference against John Gibson. So Ducks go to the power play, and it was awful. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, it was awful. 
they didn't get anything going on the first power play unit or the second power play unit. Whatever. First power play of the, of the season, first power play of the game. No big deal. And then Rowney takes down Clayton Keller. Their power play was also awful. So, whatever. And <laughs> That's expected from these two teams, right? Just like the, the way Ducks, it went. The Ducks aren't going to turn their power play around uh, game one. I think it's going to take a lot of work and finding some chemistry, just like the Lions are going to. But th- these are two teams last year who notoriously struggled on the power play and, and scoring goals in general. So I-, I am surprised why Arizona didn't look a little bit better when you've got a power play specialist like Phil Kessel in there. Obviously, you've got to kind of work things out and find a system that revolves around Phil Kessel, but they, they seem like they're-, they're a long ways away from utilizing him correctly on the power play. Yeah. And you, you, they can, they're going to have to kind of figure those power plays out, especially because they move guys around, right? And that's just it's just going to take time. I mean, no Getzi on the first power play unit go to the, goes to the second power play unit. Hampus Lindholm quarter power, uh, quarterback in the second power play unit. It's all mixed up. I'm not worried about it. No, I, I'm not. I, I don't think the Ducks' power play is going to be great this year. I think it will be better. Uh, but I think you just got to find what works, and, and the Ducks are still struggling to find out who to put on, you know, on half wall, who to put on the point, who to put on the top of the circle, and, and figure out who's going to be the shooter. Uh, Getzlaff, anytime he's out there, he's obviously the facilitator. I think we've argued for a very long time that Getzlaff should be in the Ovechkin spot, shooting the puck. Uh, he's probably the best guy to put in that spot. We we argued Brandon Montour too before he got traded, but uh, I still don't know why they don't put Getzlaff over there, but. Uh, there's some there's some work to do i think Whatever. with these two power play units yeah to, to find out to find out who's best for power play one who's best for power play two and they have time like they they have plenty of time and, and again you know, maybe in the future that includes maxim Comtois if he gets a call up and, and does well i think he's a guy that the ducks eventually would want to have on, on power play one or power play two uh and and that's all going to come through with the rest of the season and and, and again like we did thinking way way in the future You've got a guy like Trevor Zegras who's who's still coming up, who you would hope would be a big contributor to the power play as well in the future. So it, it's a work in progress, and it's going to be a work in progress for a while. This is a very young team, uh, as we already said, too, the youngest team in Anaheim Ducks history. So the power play is going to take a bit of work, I think. Hey, man, will we start off the season with a win? Round of applause for beginning the year with a solid, um, most of the time solid win for the night. Uh, Ducks come away with a victory here, 2-1 to one over the Arizona Coyotes. Um, I'm going to ask you straight up, man. What were you most impressed with tonight? And least, I think, le- most and least impressed with. What's the most impressive thing you saw tonight and the least impressive thing you saw tonight? I'll you start can't with least say impressed. power play. No, no, I'll start with least impressed. And I think defensively they were a little bit weaker than I thought they'd be because they pretty much brought the same guys back from last year. Yeah. So the chemistry is pretty much already there. And I think a lot of that comes down to just getting used to the new system. The fact that they're allowed to jump in the play more allowed to have a little more creativity. And when you're just starting out and just trying to learn that uh, and, and kind of develop on that system, you're going to have errors in your own end. You're going to get caught up ice. You're going to make some bad turnovers and sure. it's going to get better. Uh, but I was disappointed with the way it, it kind of started and, and continued to not look too great throughout the rest of the game they didn't get hurt by it and they didn't really leave gibson hung out to dry that Not many occasions no no we step on hitting the crossbar he was kind of left wide open and, and on the goal as well but it's it's better it's better it could have been better in this game uh, but i think i guess that's what i was least impressed with uh, what i was most impressed with was the fact that uh, you know that fourth line again i mean uh-huh. Derek grant and, and devin shore 
the other lines were, were, were pretty good. I, I did like Getzlaff, Kasha, and Richie, uh, and I also did like uh, Henrik, uh, Terry, and, and Jones as well. Unfortunately, the, the line I was most excited for, uh, Steel, Raquel, and Silverberg, didn't do that great. It was arguably one of the Ducks' worst lines in the night, but yeah, Derek Grant uh, and Devin Schwartz, specifically those two, and I, I don't want to throw Carter Rowney on the bus, but those two looked really, really good yeah. tonight. I think they're they're earning themselves a roster spot when you look at some of the depth on this team. They're, they're kind of making it difficult to move them out. Yeah, and you know what, though? It's one of those nights, and I know that all the anti-analytics people are going to laugh at me about this, but it's one of those nights where the fourth line analytically didn't look great, but they're the guys who caught your eye shift after shift uh, the, yeah. and, and passed the eye test. It was just one of those nights, and they made things happen at the right time, didn't get burned when they didn't, and that's kind of how the story went for that fourth line. Uh, for me... If I were to pick something that stood out to me tonight that I was uh, really impressed with, um, I think I would have to go also, I know it's, it's cheap for me to say that, but uh, also with the fourth line, uh, a lot or the play of Cam Fowler offensively. Yep. Really stepped it up. Um, I felt like he had a really good game. Brendan Gooley didn't have as good of a game as Cam Fowler did. Uh, which is fine, but, but he's never going to be the guy uh, necessarily where you notice it, right? Like he made a great play in preseason where he sniped that shot top corner, but that that's not. But even not aside from game. the goal from Cam Fowler, Cam Fowler looks strong tonight, right? Take away that look, goal, he, he still free. had a strong game. He, um, he he looked like he was more free out there to do what he wanted. And then when it looks at, if you want to pick out a negative thing for me, it would be the Ducks uh, Ducks breakout was terrible. I. I was awful. Yeah. I feel like they couldn't get a rush out of their own end to save their life most of the time. And when they did, they turned it over or they'd bobble the pass or they would lose the puck or whatever it was got in the way of them having it. The breakouts are going to get fixed. It's early. Um, but I've had to pick one negative thing in the night. I, I would nitpick that for sure. Um, it's chemistry and, on the first pass, I think, in in that sense. is It's just trying to kind of build that chemistry and, and work out a system here. And, and uh-huh. I think you saw that with the, with the turnovers. A lot of the turnovers the Ducks had uh, were transi- transitioning from the defense to offense in that first pass, trying to figure out where guys are going to be, uh, and then clearing their own zone where, where a lot of the turnovers were. And I think that stuff, at least, that over time and, and over the first you know, 10, 10, 20 games, that the Ducks are going to iron those kinks out and they're going to get a little bit better at it. Hey, do we have any questions in chat, or should we go to the questions on Twitter? We, we have a few on Twitter. Anybody Let's have any questions on in chat? Let's, okay. We can yeah, if you have any questions on, on chat and I miss them, just uh, just throw them back in here because there's been a lot of uh, – a lot of the, early on there was a lot of Nick Ritchie hate and saying that the Ducks should uh, send Nick Ritchie down and bring up Maxim Comtois, which I'm sure a lot of people are are on board for. But uh, uh, here's one. So Samuel Whitwick, he said, uh, Michael Delzato or Kubinian Holzer, who would you rather have on that bottom pairing? I would have to say Delzato, honestly. I would have to go towards Delzato. Yeah. And I'm not a huge fan of Michael Delzato either. Um, but we didn't get to see a ton of him last year with the Ducks before he got moved. And we kind of know what Kirby Holtz is going to have. And, and it, like, it, it's it's so it, – every time I think of something good to, to say why Michael Delzato should be in, then I start to think of like, oh, do I really want five left-handed shots? on the blue line because that makes transitioning out of your own zone a little bit more difficult. A lot of guys are going to be on their, their uh, opposite hand on the backhand trying to make a pass out of their own zone. But maybe Michael Desado's backhand is better than Carbidian Holtz's forehand. So Don't maybe. you mostly want him on the team because he has a Stanley Cup to his resume? Isn't that why? I figured that's what Canadians like the most. They want rings in the room. Gotta, you got to have I that think. in the locker room. Yeah, yeah you got to have rings in the room. I'm that's sure. all the Canadians like. I wonder if he has it. The Blues got their rings. I don't. I don't think he he wasn't el- eligible. They would have to like well, sign for him to be on. It, I think. 
Uh, would you really want one though? Like he had that whole video, and we talked about this over the summer. I think on our Patreon shows, where like he jumped into the pool with the Stanley Cup at his house, but he didn't play a single Stanley Cup final game. <laughs> I like if I was him, I wouldn't. I I don't want to say you know. What? By all I, accounts, I great guy, that. funny guy. Yeah, um, I was about to say if funny. I was him, I wouldn't want one, but. I'm probably lying. That's if tough. I if I could get one, I'd probably I'd probably want one. Those blues rings are nice sick, looking. man. I know That's we're not I'm supposed saying, to talk about the teams. Nice. Those are sick rings. They're very nice. Yeah, I I'd, if I was if I was Michael Desano, I'd want one. But uh, there's a whole other question if he deserves one or not. But uh, you know, what, who am I to say if he deserves one or not? You, he didn't play exactly. a final game neither did I. So <laughs> at least he was part of the team. So <laughs> we got anything else in chat, or you want to go to uh, to Twitter? Uh, Lowry in, in our chat said, what will it take for Gibby to win the Vesna? Oh, Jesus. Um, to get 52 <laughs> early, wins. Early on. He's got to get 50 <laughs> wins. 50, yeah. I mean, these GMs, it's unbelievable to me. He, he could post a 940 save percentage, I feel like, and let's say he wins 39 games, 40 games, because um, they don't overplay him, and, and they give Miller some starts. Let's say he, he gets rested a couple more times. Let's say he gets a... God forbid a minor injury or tweak or something like that. He takes a couple games off, doesn't get that that high end win side of things. That's the only thing. I mean, you, I mean, I tweeted at Sportsnet the other day about it. It's like who who's going to win the Vezina this year? It was like Bishop Vasilevsky, Tuka Rask, and whoever else. And I was like, what? Like really, really? Like yeah, you guys think, don't look uh, at the stats. You only look at NHL like the NBC. names. Yeah, NHL NBC tweeted out a, a, it was something about what are your like wh- which one of these four goalies has the best chance of winning the Vezina this year, and I believe it was um, it was Vasilevsky, Bishop, Freddie Anderson, and I can't remember the fourth guy. Probably maybe Tukes. it was Bobrovsky. It, it might have been yeah, it might have been Tukes. It could have been Bobrovsky, but either way, John Gibson didn't make it, and, and there was actually a lot of people in the comments there saying, you know, how is John Gibson not here? Uh, but it's because of wins. It's because of wins, and yeah, if John Gibson wants to win this year, uh, needs thirty five plus at least in wins to get there, and the, the numbers say percentage goals against average because that's what they're voting for. They have to be up there. Uh, he'll likely be uh, on top of goals saved above average like he has been for the last couple of seasons, but. He's got a long way to go. You know, if you forty-five look at the goal, plus yeah. wins, a two, a forty-five. Two, I, I'm telling you, he's got to have forty-five plus wins. He's got to have a nine twenty plus save percentage, and he's got to have a two point three GAA or below, which is a BS stat for goaltenders, by the way. But that's Brett said, just not being a duck. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a that's very very uh, very very good comment because it's probably true. That's how you win. That's how you win. What are you going to do? Yeah, uh, that's yeah. all. That's what it's going to take. I hope he just like even though, like I, I don't know. Last year was tough because I think he deserved a nomination no matter what. Yeah, and he got robbed. And not only that, he got one third place vote, and that was it. They put him like in that. tier two in the goaltender talk, like we talked about. Like, was it Craig Custance put out that article on Athletic? Yeah, yeah. He's a tier two goalie. I'm like, get the hell out of here with this. Do you think? Like, let's say he gets 37 wins. Ducks don't make the playoffs. But his, let's say, his save percentage is, like, north of 920 and his goals against, goals against average is south of 2.2. Do you think he still has a chance if he's, he if he's maybe, either leading or close to leading in those nominated. categories? Maybe gets nominated. Yeah, like let's say you know he ends up finishing like fifth or sixth in wins, uh, but he's like tied for first or second in goals goals uh, 
goals above or goals against average and, and save percentage, but the Ducks don't make the playoffs. <sighs> like I know these if are all hypothetical. If he's sub forty wins, I think he's going to have to have no like a chance. nine thirty. He's going to have to have a nine thirty. Yeah. Well, the, the question is, like, do the Ducks have to make the playoffs then for him to win the Vesna? Yeah, no, I think so for sure. Because I think, well, what was the last goal? It was Bobrovsky was the last goalie, I think, to to win the Vesna and, and not have his team make the playoffs. I think that I think that's what it was. I don't know if I don't know if that was with Columbus or not. I believe he only has one uh, Vesnas with Columbus. So I'd have to check that. I'm not sure entirely. Yeah, and uh, Operation we, we Operation brings up the uh, the infamous the score article, uh, talking about how the Ducks are the most unwatchable team this season. We talked about this on what yeah. was it a Patreon show? Was that uh, yeah. Where we talked? Yeah, that was on Sunday. That was our Patreon show. So if you guys don't know, we have a Patreon show. If you if you listen to the show all the way through to towards the end of this year through the post game, uh, that is a way to support us. Yes, absolutely. But our, our Patreon, we also give back. Uh, with several reward tiers, and uh, one of those tiers or a couple of those tiers involve um, put, uh, you know, extra shows. We do uh, what three extra shows a month now is what we're doing now. Yeah, we we try we try to get three extra shows. Oh uh, come on! Last uh, month was tough. This month, yeah, we were doing three extra shows every month during the season for sure. So yeah, we got uh, Pox and Bruce, which is everybody's favorite. We got a, a rant show, which is fun, and then we have a, a a game show called Bobby's Bargain Bin, where you can win uh, yeah. sign merchandise from your favorite bargain signings from uh, Bob Murray, like uh, Lucas Biza and Kevin Bieksa. Yep, and uh, James Wisniewski, <laughs> among <laughs> others. If yeah, we can find all it, the I other bargain, I don't know. If, I don't know if we can find any. Uh, any signed James Wisniewski Ducks merchandise out there, but uh, if, we'll, we'll try. I, we'll I try. really want to give away a Danny Heatley something or other. That's I know. I want to find that. I feel like it's not out there, though. He played, what, one game? Something did stupid, yeah. Uh, that's the one I need to find. I need, We need to find. If we find a Danny Heatley signed Ducks, that, that thing's probably expensive, though. Because like, <laughs> he, he's like a cult legend, and then the fact that he was with the Ducks for like literally two games, one game, half a game. That's going to be hard stuff. I mean, there's a Danny Heatley jersey online for $200. Ducks jersey? <laughs> Ducks jersey, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, we'll, I can just we'll, get we'll, we'll search around. <laughs> for cheaper than that, like just buy a jersey for like 50 bucks and get it customized. So good. All right. You want, to, want me to go to, the, to, uh, to Twitter? Uh, if, ironically enough, the Twitter questions were the questions that we already had. So uh, Tabernacle asked, "What were were we most impressed with tonight?" Uh, doesn't necessarily have to be the obvious, like Grant and Fowler, but we went with the obvious. I did go uh, with the obvious there. The other, oh, the other guy I thought played a quietly good game was Adam Henrique. I think Adam Henrique yes, had a really yeah. really solid game tonight. In faceoff circle, he was good. Also, he was up and down the ice defensively too. You didn't see him get caught out of position. Uh, and he was involved in, um, in some scoring chances there. I think he had a pretty solid game for the Ducks. Yeah, I think so. Uh, one thing I want to talk about, because it was like it kind of became a weird thing uh, for, I guess, a day and a half, is, is where where's Braden Tracy? <laughs> because nobody seemed to know he was in limbo. Elliot Tiefer, for... Well, but no, because I think Elliot Tiford and Eric Stevens both said that he got sent back to Moose Jaw, but that's not true. And Moose Jaw kind of proved, uh, kind of proved that today by saying he's still in Anaheim and he's got an injury. Uh, I was kind of thinking it might be an injury because he he was listed all the way up into the end 
uh, being part of the training camp roster, the one that the Ducks had on their website. He was on the Ducks' official roster on their website as well. And then when they released the last cuts, they had only mentioned that Benoit Olivier Grew was the only one going back to junior. So nothing mentioned about Braden Tracy. I went and looked. He hadn't played a game for Boost Jaw yet. Mm. And uh, nobody nobody knew. And, and you know, Adetiva said he got sent back down a while ago. But then, again, Moose Jaw coming out, to uh, I think it was today, saying that uh, he's still in Anaheim with an injury. Makes sense now why he didn't play in preseason at all. Right. I think that was the weird thing because he was part of that roster. We saw, I think we saw literally everybody on that roster except Braden Tracy uh, play in preseason. Sucks because I really would have liked to see him play. I don't know where he got injured because he did play in the rookie tournament. And I yep. don't remember seeing him get injured. So they didn't uh, they didn't release it whatsoever. But, uh, I man, I, I really wish we would have got to see him play. I, I thought he was going to sneak his way onto the roster somehow without even playing a game. But uh, it sucks for him that he's hurt. It'll be nice to see him back in Moose Job. But, uh, yeah, for a bit there, he was in limbo. Well, it's can they can they, <clears throat> excuse me can they not send him back because he's injured? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that works. They, the Moose might want him here because he can get better treatment and care here than than what a CHL team can can offer. Right? Like you look at what the Ducks have at their disposal to deal with his injury. It might just be better to leave him here than send him back to Moose injured and have to maybe have have him sit out for a longer period of time. That that would be my guess. Because I think they can they can send him back no matter what. Like even if he's injured, they can send him back. I believe uh, LA did the same thing with Gabriel Velarde when he had the back injury. Mm. You know, they could have sent him back to Kingston, I think it was, but they didn't because you know the, the staff that the staff the staff that they have in the NHL is a a lot more capable of dealing with something like that than sending him back down to junior hockey. Where not to say they don't have uh, capable, you know guys a uh, training staff capable of dealing with injuries down in, in the ohl but it's obviously you know the gap in in sophistication is, is a bit different that's strange i don't know it'd be interesting to see if he if, he, if anything pops up about that because i thought i thought i saw tiefer said yeah moose Chuck, uh he reported back they already talk, they already said that a while ago reported a while ago but hey man who knows where he's at then he's uh he's he's in limbo somewhere getting better treatment than he could get uh elsewhere so he's in anaheim according to eddie eddie knows everything so i want to i want to talk uh quickly about because there's a, a lot of you know brain tracy is one of the, the top ducks prospects trevor zegris's season's about to start uh, i want to talk about the goals though because we we know maxim come to one isaac lindstrom have been sent down uh Kiefer sherwood's still down there daniel sprong's down there like this is you know antoine moran's down there and they brought in some guys and josh maher uh when he i think he's fully healthy or when he's fully healthy he's going to be down there as well like they're shaping up to be pretty good team hunter drew uh is down there as well so the the, the goals are getting a lot of different players coming in uh, and it's going to be interesting like there, there's a lot of depth for the Ducks to work with when you think of like Sprong is is NHL talent you would assume so is Kiefer Sherwood and, and Ice Lindstrom and Maxine Comtois very well could be guys that could be playing in the NHL right now if there was enough space for them and and maybe you know Antoine Moran surprises some people this year like the, there's no given and I think in the bottom six for this team when you look at you know Terry's waiver exempt Sam Steele's waiver exempt Max Jones is waiver exempt like these are all guys that could be sent down if they struggle like they not to say that they should not feel safe, but uh, there's a, there's a lot of depth for the Ducks this year to work with. Yeah, and I think you're going to see Daniel Sprong back up in a Ducks uniform there in the, probably the first 25, 30 games of the season. You're going to see him back up here. They're going to send somebody else down, preferably one of the kids that can't be claimed. 
um, and Sprong's going to get back up. I think he's going to go down, and I think he's probably going to tear it up. And as long as you know the kids, yeah, does he have to come Anaheim, back through waivers? If he tears it up, you don't have to come back through waivers. I don't think the NHL does that. I think when you get sent back down is when you can get plucked. Uh, I'm not a uh, an expert on these rules, but I, I thought I think there was right, no though, retur- yeah. I thought there was, the NHL got rid of the returning waivers. I think you only could get plucked going down. So let's be honest. I mean, Sprong's not a not an old guy. He's still a young kid. So he's 22, 23. Yeah, I think. he's he's young. He's right around all the rest of these kids' ages. He's you know he's not like I he's don't like know a twenty seven year old guy. Uh, well, I mean, how I know many it's, like, guys it's early in the season, and most teams are just setting their rosters, and there's no point in bringing in a guy. I get it. I feel like it's an but... unwritten rule. Like, you just don't claim my guys. We all do it at the same it's... time. Two, two guys got them. claimed. Two guys got claimed out of that. Eric Comrie got claimed from uh, from Winnipeg, and that's a, a pretty decent pickup for Arizona to grab him. He's one. Not, I don't want to say one of the better young goalies out there, but he had a pretty good year in the AHL. So the like, guys got claimed. Um, but you know, Josh Hosang, I can understand why teams want to stay away from him because of the uh, attitude issues that he has. I mean, but I, I would have like, picked him up. Listen, I'm happy Daniel Sprong cleared waivers. I'm just surprised that no team was like, oh, we could use a guy. Like, people, people are saying, why the hell did Edmonton go after him, right? Well, they didn't need like him, that... clearly. You saw McDavid uh, last night, right? You don't need Sprong. Oh, I, I uh, in a in a goals-only fantasy league, I took James Neal just for the fact he's playing with Connor McDavid. <laughs> you have to. I had to, man. I had to. Like, the, you look at that, and I don't want to go into the Oilers too much, but I was watching that game. I was talking to you yesterday, and I was watching uh, Oilers and, and Vancouver Canucks, and uh, man, they look awful on the wings. Like they have, <laughs> they have nothing. And like Connor McDavid is running the show there, but I, f- I don't feel sorry for them. I feel sorry for Connor McDavid. It's just the way it goes. You got anything else you want to toss in here, man? Before we call this show a wrap, game one is done. And uh, game two here is uh, gearing up for Saturday night. Uh, yeah, last thing on the, the goals, I specifically Maxim Kamatoa, because I feel like a lot of people are disappointed that he got sent down. We mentioned that earlier. How, how I guess, two-part question. How well do you think he does in San Diego? Because we, we haven't – we only saw a couple games from him in San Diego last year. And uh, how soon do you think before he gets called up? I think you're going to see him here in the first 10 games, unless Jones lights it up. I think you're going to see yeah. him be called up, for sure. I feel like they give it a little bit more time, but uh, I think he's got potential to be one of the better players in the AHL, and that might be bias, uh, but I think he, when you look at some of the young players that are, are moving out of the AHL that were were considered the better players in the AHL last year, mm-hmm. a lot of them are getting promoted this year, or at least starting the season with the NHL club. And uh, I think Maxim Comtois got potential, especially if he's playing with Isaac Lindstrom or even Moran or Sam Carrick. Like, the Ducks have some good center depth down there. He's got the potential to, if he's playing first-line minutes for his power play, to tear it up and and, uh, put up a ton of goals down there. And I hope he does. I really do. Me too. I need to see it. I, a lot of people are high on, on Maxim Comtois, but we've only really seen him in, in junior and then a 10-game stint in the NHL. And I, I don't want to sound negative, but a 10-game stint in the NHL almost means nothing. We've seen I mean, everyone. One guy that always comes to mind for me, and I don't know if many people are going to remember this guy, but Fabian Brunstrom yep. with the Dallas Stars. His first game, he scored a hat-trick, kind of came out of nowhere. I think he was drafted decently high, too. And then he just fizzled out. I'm not going to say Maxim Comtois is going to be that type of guy because I think Maxim Comtois is going to be an NHLer for a very long time. But you have to take 10 games of NHL experience with a grain of salt a bit. Yep. And 
I'm, I'm really excited to see him take that step up in competition and, and play in, in a hard league like the AHL, a grinding league like the AHL, because that, that fits his style. He's a guy who likes to throw the body. So the AHL should be you know his bread and butter. So if he goes down there and dominates like he did in junior, uh, I'm, I'm going to probably place him a bit higher. I think I had him three on my my top Ducks prospects. A lot of people were saying I should have him up there with Trevor Zegers, but I, I got to see him. I, I got to see, see consistency out of him, man. And and you know what, though? it's He's going to get back up to the NHL. He's going to get a look this season for sure. I, I, I don't know if he's going to dominate, but we got we to gotta see what he, what he can do. I mean, every team and every fan base, I mean, they overvalue their prospects, especially the ones they draft. They always overvalue yeah. them. You know, you always you always covet them, and we always accuse our GM of that. But I mean, the truth of the matter is, every GM does it, just the way it is. You always think your guy's the next this or next that, but uh, like you said, man, he, he's really got to prove himself to get a roster spot for sure. And it, I mean, clearly he lost out to Max Jones uh, for opening night, but that doesn't mean it's done forever. I'm sure we're going to see yeah. him here in the next ten, fifteen games. Yeah, he he lost out in a four game preseason stint where he didn't look whatever didn't look bad, but he you know it, it wasn't notable. Max Jones. Max Jones has Max Jones has thirty plus NHL games on him from from last year. I think Max Maxim would have had to look a lot better than Jones did for him to win that spot. And I think they both looked pretty much the same in preseason. Maybe Jones played a little, with a little bit more energy, but that's his style of game. But uh, Comtois would have had to look way better for him to beat out Jones and, or even Terry or Steele because look at the NH, the NHL games those guys played last year. Like they've got all that experience on top of Maxim Comtois. So, and, and same goes for Isaac Lindstrom as well, playing overseas. And, and you know, you, you're going to have to play Sam Steele. And obviously, uh, Getzlaff and Henrique are, are in the roster above him. So I don't think it's a detriment to, to Lindstrom or Comtois for getting sent down. It's just, you know, those are probably the two guys that I think you know, fans should want to see more AHL time from. And I think mm-hmm. the coaching staff wants to see more AHL time for them as well. Season them a bit. Well, I think yeah. that's going to do it for the night. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us to kick off the season. Ed, thanks for staying up until 2 a.m. to finish the podcast when you have to get up for work in three hours. So no, I don't go to work. I got a six-hour drive to Sudbury. Oh, for that's even better. Uh, who, why, am I, why am I saying thank you? For I'll take anything? that. I'll that's take it. that over, over yeah. going to work. Absolutely. Always take a drive to go to a wedding over going to work. Absolutely. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us on Twitch. Um, and all of our Patreon supporters, everyone who, who's playing the Forever Mighty Three Stars, look to Eddie, tweet at him for updates. He gets very busy, but he will take care of you and let you know if you win a jersey at the end of the month. So make sure that you tune in 45 minutes before the start of the game for the questions. Uh, each and every game this season and every month we have a new winner. Thank you to Cool Hockey for sponsoring that. They've been our sponsor here since we started doing it. Uh, so shout out to them. Check their site out, coolhockey.com. Go buy a jersey. Uh, use the uh, the code FM20 to get 20% off your purchase, and they'll take care of you there with legit jerseys. So that's it for us. Uh, go to our website for updates. Stay tuned to us on Twitter. Our website is forevermighty.com. I'm Patrick, and that's Eddie. Have a great night, everybody. We'll talk to you on Saturday. See you guys. Well, we got a goodbye. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you.